It's on. Ooh, that was crisp. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 34 of the Covert Show. Today, it's just me. We got Nick Hendricks here, JC taking a little bit of a hiatus on the episode, and we wanted to test me out going solo. So you know what? We got it going here, but what is going on, everybody? Hope you guys are having a fantastic, at the moment I'm recording this, it is a Wednesday night. Hope you're having a good week. It's been a little bit cooler for the people in Iowa and hopefully around the Midwest. We got some rain coming everybody's way, which is nice. And, I mean, the one thing that you really have to take a look at here is what can you do when it's raining or what can you do when it's not hot and you're not popping some tops with the boys, you're not just enjoying the nice weather. Granted, I'd be sitting by a bonfire, but, I mean, you know what? That's just me. Well, you know what we're going to talk about today, something that we haven't talked about a lot, but I want to get into it. And that is good old movies and the cinematic industry. Now, we've had a lot of new movies come out within the last few months that have been pretty good. And, I mean, in my opinion, they've been really good. So the first one that I actually really want to talk about, it's the new install in the Predator franchise called Prey. Now, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on Hulu. It's subscription only, which kind of stinks. But, if I mean, if you got Hulu, then it's going to be there. And, I mean, personally, this is probably, it. By, besides the original and maybe Predator 2, this is probably the best Predator installment that we've seen. Based on the sole fact, so, so far as I got the stats pulled up here, it's got a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a 7.2 out of 10 on I, IMDb. And, basically, this takes place all the way in, like, I believe it's the 1700s or, like, mid-1600s. Um, but... It takes place with the Native American tribes, and that's really cool to me because all the Predator franchises, the first one started in Nam, and then it kind of gets more modernized as it goes on, and then finally the last installment when they did The Predator, um, which took place in the real time. It took place, I believe, when it was filmed in 2020 or 2021 when it was released, but that was more of the modern take of, if you haven't seen it, sorry, spoiler alert, the Predators come down and they send this massive predator and basically what the humans have figured out is they've been taking genes and they've been taking blood samples and everything like that to put into their predators to come down and wipe people out it's been an evolutionary form to where they have like armored skeletons and everything like that they've taken it from the xenomorphs and everything from alien i know i'm having a nerd moment i really like this franchise but prey is like one of the first installments of when people actually meet the predators and it takes place with the uh, native american tribes in the middle of the uh, united states um, and how it goes is the main character, her name is Naru, she's kind of just out there. She's wanting to prove herself. Well, she tries to go hunt this thing down because they've never seen anything like it. It cloaks. It does all this. Um, it's got futuristic weapons. And so basically the whole entire thing is her tracking this, but also just coming to terms with herself and everything like that and trying to overpower it. Well, I'll tell you right now, the action in it is insane. There are so it's a little bit more gory than a lot of the former predators because I mean you see people getting their their limbs shot off or you see the predators uh, taking out the spines as they usually do. Sorry for the graphic content at the moment, folks. But at the same time, we like to get into it because I'm a big movie buff. So, but yes, if you have not watched it, Prey is absolutely insane. There's a lot of action, so you're constantly engaged. It's it doesn't start off slow. It starts off really fast. But, you know, it, it's one of those that you can sit there and you can watch and you can really enjoy. Moving into one of the other films that I saw so far this summer and probably one of my favorites, it's a Jordan Peele movie. And for everybody thinking, oh, Jordan Peele, like he, he's had some really good stuff. He is continuing to run the director, the writing game, all just out of shape. I mean, he is crushing it. His newest movie was called Nope. I know, Nick, what are you thinking? He, he called it Nope. Well, you know, it, it goes in, in tie with the title because a couple of times the main character says Nope. But it takes place in the 21st century, and basically how it is, the main character, which is the guy from Get Out, which I am just about to Google here, but the main character and his family are the descendants of the first quote-unquote film. And what that was is basically it was shot for shot with um, cameras, but it was all spliced together of a man on a horse, and he was running. Well, according to the the film and according to the actual life, it was a black man. So this takes place of these people, descendants of that man, selling their horses to Hollywood and basically being the only roper wranglers that there is, and they're kind of going on this phase that they're going under a little bit. Well, 
It's a sci-fi horror. It's two and a half, or it's almost, it's two hours and 15 minutes, but you're, you're engaged on the entire edge of your seat. I mean, Jordan Peele has continued to just rock the world. Uh, the main guy, his name is Daniel, and I'm going to probably get this name wrong, but Kulia, Daniel Kulia, he is just absolutely stunning in this as he was in Get Out. And in Get Out, it was him trying to escape this weird family that would basically psych, uh, take somebody in control under hypnosis. And then they would sell their minds off to the highest bidder and basically, or their bodies and everything. And it would kind of be almost like a lobotomy at the same time, not like the hypnosis was the lobotomy. And then they would move into getting everything else, bodies transferred, put over into the, um, the other body that they just hypnotized, or they would move the brain into somebody else's body. Well, he discovers this as they're kind of going through it, and a bunch of crazy stuff happens. Well, the other Jordan Peele movie that he had was called Us, and that basically was this whole psychological thriller of this one family goes on vacation. They get followed to this vacation spot, but it's basically, if you haven't seen it yet, again, spoiler alert, it's the clones of themselves. But there's a crazy plot twist at the end that I won't get into because you guys have to watch it. And if you guys predict it, tell us what you think of it because, I mean, this movie is insane. Jordan Peele is just, he's got a mind for thinking outside of the box when it comes to film. And the biggest part of that is how psychologically, like, indulged you get while you're watching this because you get great character development and everything. Um, The shots are absolutely spectacular. His cinematography team is just one of the best. Now... Nope comes in, and like I said, it's this horse wrangler family that does horses for Hollywood. Well, at one point, this giant alien comes in. And now they have to fight this alien, but at the same time, it's just constantly taking the power away. It's making people disappear at the same time. Star of the Walking Dead, Steve Yun, or Steve Yoon is in it. I, I absolutely love him in this movie because he I loved him in Walking Dead. And that's another series that's bringing something up. Uh, It's The Tales of the Walking Dead. That is now coming out, um, or it is out on AMC, but it's basically just a bunch of tales from everybody through The Walking Dead coming to, I don't believe it's from Rick. I haven't seen that, and I haven't seen Walking Dead in a while, which really sucks because I really did get into it. But at the same time, nonetheless, we're talking about Nope here. But it goes through this entire process of trying to defeat this alien and just how they can get around it. But, I mean... There's a lot of creepy scenes in it where the lights just shut off. Hopefully they don't shut off here. I'm looking around my room. Nope, nope, nope. Ha <laughs> ha. Good pun. But at the same time, when you're sitting there watching it, I, like I said, you're on the edge of your seat. Like I went with my girlfriend and both of us were constantly just sitting there like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen next? And like you're just, you're waiting for it. Your heart's beating out of your, or beating out of your chest and you're kind of going through it. And it's, it's a high quality watch. If you guys haven't seen it yet, you can go see it in theaters. It is so far not released on anything else yet. Um, Another great movie that is now out on places is called, it's the Elvis movie. I haven't personally seen that, but from everything that I've seen, they try to keep it shot for shot as close to the original, like, Elvis scenes as possible. And that is absolutely stellar. A lot of the new movie remakes off of, like, music bands and everything like that. There was um, The Dirt, which is on Netflix. That is a great movie. It's the most, quote-unquote, accurate telling of Motley Crue and everything like that. I mean, it's a really good movie. It's a little raunchy, not going to lie. There there are some some scenes in it, but I mean, uh, just as a person, as a fan of Motley Crue, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to kind of watch it. Um, Machine Gun Kelly stars in that movie as well. But um, Elvis, I, I'm planning on watching here sooner or later because I really need to, and I've been kind of dying to see it. So, another good movie that was out was Top Gun Maverick. That movie blew, I think, everybody's expectations out of the water. It's close. I saw that one in theaters. It was really good. All the cinematics behind it were great. All the cameras, the actual natural reactions that they had with everybody was fantastic. Uh, Miles Teller, everybody knows the beach scene. Oh, my gosh, TikTok, the beach scene with Miles Teller. Yeah, well, he, he's all right in that movie, but I think just the as close as they keep it to the original Top Gun, is best, and they did exactly that. There were a couple of nuances in there thrown and a couple of the um, modern-day classic stuff that you would see on the mainstream media, so that was really fun to fun to watch. There's a great cast in that as well. Now, another one that came out, and I still haven't seen, Thor Love and Thunder as well, Jurassic World Dominion. Those are big blockbuster movies that came out. Jurassic World Dominion apparently flopped a little bit. Once again, still haven't seen it. I don't know how it personally is, so don't just keep saying, Nick, you keep talking about movies you haven't seen. Well, that's why I'm telling you I haven't seen them, so we should probably all go watch them. But 
one thing that I want to talk about, because I am a big nerd fan, House of the Dragon. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, I personally think, I really hope this doesn't flop, but I personally think you're going to love it, because House of the Dragon comes out literally within, I believe, a week and a half. It comes out on the 28th of August here, or it actually comes out on the 21st of August, excuse me, it's, it's air date is this weekend. So, House of the Dragon takes place, it throws it all the way back to the original start, or not the original start, but one of the biggest starts in the Targaryen history of the family tree, and it builds up through that on how um, the new daughter of the Targaryens are able to kind of come through and basically just take over and create the Targaryen dynasty that we came to know and love in Game of Thrones, and that was sadly Daenerys Targaryen, she was one of the last of the Targaryens, Um, and it's, it's got a great... Uh, the one of the do- uh, um, Doctor Who's, yeah, I know Doctor Who. Matt Smith, he's in it as well. He plays Damon Targaryen, which will be awesome. Everything that I've seen so far from the previews looks absolutely fantastic. But the main actress in it plays uh, Princess Rhaena, and so she's one of the, or yeah, that's how I'm saying it, right? Rhaenyra, or yeah, I don't know. The Targaryen names are hard to say. Game of Thrones kept theirs very in line. Thank you, George R.R. R. Martin, for that one. But so that's one that I'm super excited about. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Me and my dad were. But so that comes out on the 21st. So be out there standing for that one. And now, I guess what we kind of really move into, the main part of this podcast that we do, is we talk about some sports a little bit. We do have a Pokemon card at the end here. I got the pack here, a little light. I'm not going to fool you with the whole ASMR. But we got a Pokemon card pack. We're going to try to see if we can make it two for two against JC. He ended up winning last week with a good card. I had an okay pull, but nothing too spectacular. But as we move into that, we heard a top at the beginning of it, as we always do. And today, I've got a, I've got a nice one. I had a variety pack of it. The Goose Island uh, beer, they came out with a tropical IPA. The tropical bear hug is what they call it. I've got an imperial IPA here. I've got a six-pack of that sitting in the fridge. But I got one here next to me. So as I move into the MLB, I'm going to take a light sip here. Oh, very good. For those IPA drinkers that, that like that, I don't know how many IPA drinkers really like our show, but that was the drink of choice for tonight, and then just kind of whatever else. So if you're just joining us, pop open a cold one and just sit back, relax. If you're driving, don't do that. But, I mean, hey, if you're also at work too, I, I wouldn't recommend doing that. But, I mean, at the same time, just Give us a play. But we're going to move into the MLB here. We'll start with the Mets. They had a headline tonight. Brett Beatty gets his first at-bat. He's a big prospect. He's a big name in the Mets organizations coming up. He got his first career at-bat tonight. And you know what he does. He goes yard, straight into right field. His whole entire family was there. They loved it. And then Mets ended up beating the Braves 9-7. to So that's huge in the National League standpoint. We'll get into that in a second. Other scores around the country tonight in the MLB. The Bo Sox ended up taking one from the Pirates tonight, 8-3. to three. The Guardians take away from the Tigers, who have just been absolutely struggling. They have not found a way to win. They've just been getting beat. Uh, the The Brewers won, or not the Brewers. Oh, who was it the other night? I forget who won. Uh, the White Sox, they had a big inning uh, against them. They ended up taking the lead back, and then they won through that game. The Cardinals end up topping the Rockies 5-1, to one, and then the White Sox ended up falling tonight to the Astros 3-2, to two, and then everybody hates to hear it, and I know JC's going to hear it, but we'll talk about his Blue Jays too in a minute, but the Yankees ended up taking a, one away from the Braves 8-7 to seven tonight. So the Diamondbacks are still in contest. They've got the Giants. That was one of our line teams that we talked about. Giants are up 2-1 at the time of this podcast. The Reds ended up getting a win today against the Phillies. Cubs beat the Nationals. They ended up winning last night as well. Now they won another one today, three to two. The Minnesota Twins they got a four one or a four nothing win. Excuse me, good lord, I cannot talk today. Apparently the Long Islands are hit me too, or the tropical Goose Islands are hit me too fast. <laughs> oh, but Twins ended up winning four nothing over the Royals. Toronto takes a game from the Orioles six to one. The Mariners are still continuing to run the season as they have been, eleven seven over the Angels. Padres ended up getting a win 10-3, and that pretty much rounds out your scores for the night. Oakland ends up taking a game over Texas tonight as well. So now let's dive in, as well as the Dodgers they were playing. They got a 2-1 win over the Brewers. So let's dive in to see how the standings have played out. And as we talked about it last week, we had the big hypothetical for me. 
And like I said, everybody's going to judge me on it because I said the Nationals and the A's, they could possibly, if baseball decided to be really, 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 really weird, they could come back. We all knew it wasn't true. I knew I was just talking random shit there. But we're going to still dive into all the stands that matter. So right now, the Yankees are still ahead in the American League East. Surprising. They got a one-game win streak. But they're three of their last... They're three of seven of their last ten, so they have lost seven games, and those have been big. Their lead has slightly diminished. They still have ten games over the Rays. They still have ten games over the Jays, who are both tied at 62 and 54. They kind of round out that second and third spot in the American League East. Baltimore's still picking up traction. They have 11 and a half games back after they just lost today. They're 62 and 50 or 61 and 56, which, like I, we've said before, that's shocking. Because the Orioles have such a young team and they've just had so many problems within the last few years that they just can't seem to find a way to win. Well, they proved JC wrong. They proved me wrong. They're proving everybody wrong at this point. And then the Bo Sox are still 500 at 59 and 59. They're 14 back. They're on a three-game win streak, though. They're five of their last 10, or they've won five of their last 10, so they're 5-5 five and five even. Throwing it to the Central tonight, the Guardians, they ended up getting a win, sneaking that past, and they beat the Tigers, which... That's no strong feat. The Tigers are last in the American League Central. Guardians are now a full game up but uh, on the Twins. The Sox were able to get a couple games back after the Tigers win, so they're two games back. Guardians controlled at 63-55. and 55. They ended up seven of their last ten with wins. And then throwing it to the American League West, the Astros still remain supreme. The Mariners are trying their best. They're still back at 11, which really is funny. We talked about it last week. You take a look at how many games back all of these teams are in the American League. The only single-digit single digit league or division is the American League Central, and that's the Twins back from the Guardians. They're back one game. Now you take a look at the National League here, and we'll, get, we'll bounce around as much as we can here, but the Mets, they have a four-and-a-half game lead up. They're 72 and 50, or 76 and 42. They just got a game against the Braves tonight who are still vying for that wild card. They won't win that. E- they might win that East. Still plenty of time to talk. The Mets are still on a hot streak. They've won seven out of their last ten. The Cardinals are sitting there at 65-51 and 51 in the Central. They are three games ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers, who are 62-54. and 54. They're four of their, The Brewers are four of their last six, and the Cardinals continue to heat up. Albert Pujols is still a few homers away from hitting 700, which that milestone would be great for him to hit, especially going into the postseason he, I have no doubt that he will be able to make it. 12 home runs, granted, yes, hitting a baseball is extremely hard, but 12 home runs for him or a guy of that caliber doesn't really seem like the biggest feat in the world. It, it seems very, very, very doable, and I think Albert Pujols will get there. My Cubbies still struggling. They've gotten a couple of wins now. They're on a two-game win streak. They beat the Nationals, but they're six of their last ten. They've won six. They're 49 and or 67, so they're they're still not going to do much. They're out. Cincinnati Reds, they're way out. Pirates, don't even need to talk about that. Sorry, Pirates and Reds fans and Cubby fans that are like me, but we'll dive into more. The Dodgers, they are 81-35. and 35. They are the only team that has a double-digit commanding lead in the Central. The Padres are 17 games back. They're 66-54. and 54. Now, I want to I take that into consideration here, like I just said. The American League East, next closest game, 10 games back. The American League West, 11 games back. The only division in that league with less than five games is the Twins in the Central behind the Guardians. We jump into the National League, four and a half games back are the Braves, three games back are the Brewers, and then you finally get that 17 spot. We talked about it last week. The National League is still competitive, but when you come to the caliber of baseball and you come to the, how good the teams are in the American League, it's... It, once you get down to the World Series and the playoffs, it's a totally different ballgame. But at the same time, the best teams always go, and the best teams square off, and that's that's how it's meant to be. So we take a look at the wild card standings now, which is coming down. It's August 18th, or August 17th as this is getting recorded. It should come out on the 18th or the 19th. But the Mariners have a one-and-a-half game lead over the Jays and over the Rays, who are both even at 62-54 and 54 on the wild card. Next or next closest team, excuse me, is the Twins. They're at 61-55. and 55. They've been kind of bouncing around a little bit. They had a couple of key wins um, just to kind of keep themselves alive. The Royals ended up slipping to the Dodgers last week, which was bad because I was home for that, so I had to watch, or I got to watch some of that, had to. <laughs> but so they ended up slipping against the Dodgers. The Orioles are still up in contention. They're only one and a half games back of the 
uh, of the wild card. And then the White Sox, where we drew that cutoff line, they're two. And now the Bo Sox are four games down behind. I still think that cutoff is now the White Sox, especially if Boston continues to kind of have that struggle. They're on a three-game win streak. They're trying to figure out how to play it in Boston. It's moving a little slow. And granted, everybody figured that middle of the season, you're going to hit a rut, and it's going to slowly climb back up, climb back up, climb back up. Granted, there still is time left in the season, but the Boston Red Sox need to kind of find a way to get back on that hump. And I think they're trying to move through the best way possible. And then now in the National League, you have 72 and 47. The Braves are six and a half games up in the wild card. That competition is, they're they're holding. The Phillies are able to bounce back so far this year. They are now only half a game back, or half a game up, excuse me, from that spot. Um, still five and a half, or still five, yeah, five and a half back from the Braves, if my math is right, which we are we are show known for our math, ladies and gentlemen. The Padres are the only even team, and then it drops to the Brewers, who are two, or two games back. The Giants are five, and then we gave the Diamondbacks the cutoff because we thought, okay, well, the Diamondbacks could possibly get something going. Well, the Diamondbacks still so far have not been able to get much going, so we might have to kind of end up moving them out. And I'll explain why here in a second. When you have that cutoff at 11 games, granted, we gave the Bo Sox a little bit of a chance, but they're still four and a half game, or they're still four games back in that tough American League. In the National League, it's a little bit once a team starts getting on a roll and you start getting teams hot. Now you're you're really fighting fire and you're trying to really claw your way back in. So if if the Diamondbacks are able to claw their way back in, that's great. I don't think they have the full team to do it. The Giants are still consistently one of the top teams that are moving through it, but. Nonetheless, you just take a look at it, and I think now you can have more of a clearer picture. The American League is still going to be that battle. The National League, it's going to flip-flop, but I think the Braves are now starting to really run away with it. They ended up losing one to the Mets, so their league got pushed back in the American League East, but they're still fighting and still winning Excuse me, that, that National League wild card. Taking a look at standings full-on in the league, the Houston Astros are actually now ahead of the Yankees after they took their little bit of a stumble, who were three of their last seven. Like I said, the Nationals are six out of their last ten. They have 76 wins. The Yankees have 73. So now it's, can the Yankees catch the Astros, or are the Astros just going to continue to run? They have the team. They've got Bregman. they got Altuve. They've got one of my former high school teammates, Jake Myers, who is now back. He was injured last year. He got hurt in the World Series. Sad to say, he injured his shoulder trying to go into the wall to catch a ball, or catch fly ball. Did not catch it, but Jake is now back, so props to him. The Blue Jays, J.C.'s Blue Jays are now 12-and-a-half back in the entire league. They're still even for that wild card, so there is still a shot. And they took one from the Orioles tonight, which is good. So now, looking at their schedule here because it will make him happy, they now have a series in New York. And so that will be tough. If they can steal maybe one or two, that's great. That will be perfect for them. They can jump back up in the league or jump back up in the standings there, and they can maybe start putting their way back up. It's very doable that New York has not been playing good, and the Blue Jays have a very good bullpen. Springer just got his 1,000th career hit and was able to push the Jays to that win today, 6-1, to one, like I said, over the Orioles. But they've got a stint in New York, which will be tough for them to try to pick up some traction and continue running through it. The Rays, they've got their next stint in Kansas City, which, as I take a look here at the full schedule, I believe... It's a three, or, oh, that's the top of the schedule, sorry. So now, going back down, they've got a four-game stint, and that's at home in uh, Tampa. So they've got the they've got the Royals, and then they've got a four-game home stint against the Angels, and then they go on the road against the Bo Sox. Personally, I think if the Rays want to catch fire, this is the time to do it. You have two teams that are not very good in the American, or in the American League or baseball at all, sad to say, because the Royals used to be very good, and the Angels have two of the best players in baseball, Possibly two of the best players all time in baseball, depending on how the stats finish out in their careers. But nonetheless, the Angels are an easy win. They're they're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep running, and that's that's not gonna not gonna save them much. Kluber's got one game tossed in there as well. Um, currently, the first game tomorrow. Starters have not been announced yet, but McCallahan is going for the Rays, and then Brady Singer for the Royals. He's going on Friday, and then. Rousman and then Bubik are going into Saturday's game, and then Grinky is announced for the start on Sunday. So there, there's a couple of tough pitchers in there for the Royals. 
However, the bats are not good, not as good. But the Royals have a very young team. They've got Bobby Wood Jr. They got a couple of draft picks also pulled up. Uh, so that's really good for them. They've got a good rebuilding stat. Salvador Perez hit last season, so you're probably not really look. You're going to need to replace that catching spot. So the Royals have a chance to rebuild and do something good. The Angels, on the other hand, that's going to be a little bit more of a tough, a tough stint. Uh, it's not, it's not looking good for the Angels at the moment. So they're going to be out. Boston is their next game, like I said. So that'll kind of round out how many wins can they just chalk together, chalk together, while the Yankees are still continuing to have their little skid. Going now to the National League here. The Dodgers, they hold that up. They're six up on the Mets, so they'll end up probably taking the National League unless the Mets continue to catch fire and Brett Beatty just decides to go off in his um, existence so far with the Mets. So we hope good for the kid. He's been a high prospect. He's been a big name coming through the top or, or coming through to the top of the organization. So we'll see how he is able to do. Big third baseman. He's got a lot of power. He's got a lot of good contact on, on him as well. So we'll see how his career folds up. But moving right along now, that's pretty much baseball. Nothing much happened. Oh, there was a very, very funny story that I was going to say, and I saved it specifically for the podcast. So I'm going to turn my volume down on my phone so I can pull this up. It was on TikTok, but it was it comes from the Dodgers while they were playing the Brewers. And this comes from their broadcast team. So the Dodgers' main reporter decides he wants to go down the slide at uh, Milwaukee's Park. He wants to go down the slide. Well, as he's going down the slide, he does not stop himself, and he ends up on camera. They have it on TikTok. You can go find it out. It's the interview during or mid-game. But as he's sliding down here, there's that big loop that he goes around. As he gets through that loop, he's not able to stop himself, and he goes straight into a wall. So he has to do the rest of the game with a broken hand. Like, the dude is literally sitting here with a cast. He's on Sportsnet right now. I'm looking at it on TikTok. You can go find it, or you can even Google it. But he's literally doing this with a cast on his hand. The poor guy is toughing through it. And this is especially the Dodgers right now. Their broadcast team, former um, and rest in peace Vince Scully, but he was one of the best broadcasters in baseball. But they got a great crew there that I really like to listen to. They've got a lot of energy on that. So, also, you guys have to check this out. Because this is one of those things where it, it's just so interesting. And I'll try to see if I can post it on the story or send it to Instagram. I'm going to see if I can actually do this now. I think I can. Yes, I can. Is this going to go to the covert show? Yes, it will. Oh, let's do this here. So I'm going to post this to the story so you can actually see what's going on here. This is from ESPN's TikTok. So if you're listening to this on the story or if you see this on the story, make sure you comment or just give us a whirl, whatever. But this hitter, I don't know what league it's in, he literally hits a ball not even a foot in front of him, and it sticks into a wet spot in the dirt. You're not going to believe it, but you can check it out on the story. You can check it out on social media. Just look up ball gets stuck in front of home plate, and this man literally just hits it right in front of his front foot in the smack dab in the middle of home plate about a foot from the plate. It's pretty funny. I thought that was actually very, very enjoyable to watch. Everybody else is probably like, okay, Nick, it's a baseball getting stuck in the dirt. That's pretty important in my opinion because it doesn't happen very often. Baseball oddities are some of the funnest things to watch just because there there are balls that have been off of people's heads that have been home runs. There's a guy that smashed, I forget who it was, but back in the back in the old days of baseball, there was a guy who literally smashed through a wall, hung on to the baseball, robbed a guy of a base hit and extra bases and went smack dab through the middle of somebody's wall. Ken Griffey Jr. goes back to back with his dad. Uh let's see what else do we got? There there's a lot. There's there's a lot of baseball just oddities, and I think it's really fun to watch. So you got to go. Excuse me. You got to go try to find some good good baseball oddities to come into your life because those are always really fun to watch. Throwing it now into probably the biggest topic of conversation that's coming up here, and that's the NFL. <clears throat> the NFL preseason is kicked underway tomorrow night or. Should I say tonight, if this episode comes out on Thursday, the Seahawks have the Chicago Bears in Seattle. And then going into Friday, the New England Patriots have Carolina. Green Bay's got New Orleans. Houston has Los Angeles. And then sat- Saturday has a full stint of games. You've got Denver and the Bills, Detroit and Indianapolis, Washington versus KC, Tampa versus Tennessee, Vegas versus Miami, San Francisco versus Minnesota, Pittsburgh, who is kind of, they're, they're liking what Kenny Pickett's doing in the back offense here. They're 
or at least Colin Coward is, but Kenny Pickett's kind of making a name for himself, and I figured that he would because Kenny Pickett back when he was at Pitt because he, gra- he got drafted from Pittsburgh University. He was home with the Panthers. He is He's kind of running running the show here as he's he's really taken for it. He's got so far 4,000 yards. He's got – or that was back at Pitt. Oh, my Lord, Nick. Good Lord. But actually, so let's take a look at that stat real quick. Back when he was at Pitt, he was a first-round pick. He was 20 overall, going to the Steelers. He had 4,300 yards last season. He had 42 intercept, 42 touchdowns. His rating was a 165, but he was one of the. He's six foot three. I mean, he's a big. Kenny Pickett's a big dude. So I think personally, they got a steal out of that because I I said that Kenny Pickett was going to be all right in the draft, and I thought that if he went to the right team to the offense, he would be able to to kind of get himself just invested and kind of get himself in there. Well, they ended up taking their first win against Seattle, thirty-five to thirty or thirty-two to twenty-five. There, Kenny Pickett goes three of 15, 95 yards, two touchdowns. And granted, you can say this as much as you want. Preseason sometimes doesn't matter. For a starting quarterback, I would honestly say that's the biggest part of your preseason is how can I show these guys they need to trust me. They, the, my offense needs to be around me. How also can I trust my offense and say, all right, what guys are going to be able to block for me? Where do I have to see pressure coming from? And it gets them a good stint or a good idea of defenses. Drew Locke, first start for Seattle for the preseason. He went 11 of 15, 102 yards. He had two touchdowns. No quarterback threw an interception in that game, oddly enough, because the Steelers' defense is usually pretty pretty reliable when it comes to turnovers. So Kenny Pickett is now trying to just look to continue to make a name for himself. Will he get the, the first start against the Browns? I would probably say so if he continues his preseason run. They have Jacksonville coming up uh, this weekend. And then they've got the Lions as their last preseason game. They open against the Browns. Their schedule goes the Browns, the Ravens, and the Raiders as their first three games. I think two of those games are going to be insanely tough in the, in the Ravens and the Raiders. The Browns, on the other hand, they don't have Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson was taken out because of all the cases brought against him. Um, but they're still, they're still a good team. Do not take anything away from the Cleveland Browns because – they can still end up finding a way to make a run. They can still find a way to at least move themselves forward. But without the good old, the good old quarterback Baker Mayfield, I mean, they're they're looking at a little bit of a tough a tough stint coming up. Because how are you able to move some of those those big big marquee wins into a team and move it into former Tennessee quarterback J.K. Dobbs and just say, all right. What do we got to do to make sure that you have your best fit there? And I think J.K. Dobbs should do decently well. From last week's game, he went 10 of 13. He had 108 yards and one touchdown. Nonetheless, J.K. Dobbs has not taken a lot of snaps in in his NFL career so far. He isn't. I, I really don't know if he's taken any so far. But so that that's also the thing that everybody is, is looking for for a Cleveland fan is who's going to step up, who's going to be our quarterback until Deshaun Watson comes out. And honestly – I really hope somebody beats Deshaun, Deshaun Watson out for a spot because, personally, we don't think he should play. I don't. I speak we because I think JC has the same idea, I hope. But, at, nonetheless, that's neither here nor there because we can talk about that all day long, and you can take that for what it's worth. The, like I said, the Bears have Seattle. That's JC's team. He's he's really vying for them. They've got the Vikings to open up the season. They go Vikings, Lions, Bills. Two tough games at the beginning of the year. The Viking, or The Lions should be a pretty... Pretty good walk in the park, but you never know. Detroit plays Minnesota. Very, very scrappy. Detroit can be a scrappy team when they want to. They went 3-13 and last year. Uh, Minnesota went 8-9 of for last year, missing the playoffs. And then Green Bay obviously won that NFC North. They had 13-4. and The Bears are looking to get out of that rut. They finished 6-11 and last year. They don't have Trubisky this year, which honestly might be good for them. Trubisky's an okay quarterback, but they're not... I don't think Trubisky is the guy that they're looking for. I think personally the Bears need to do a full rebuild and just say how how can we kind of move it up through and what do we gotta what do we gotta look forward to? But Trevor Simeon took the uh, starting snap so far from last season, and he he did okay. He went seven of 13, 89 yards, two touchdowns. Now, if you're going for fantasy, I wouldn't probably pick him unless you actually need a backup guy. But still, the Bears are going to be the Bears. Whether or not they get the wins, that is going to be up to them. I think that this year could be a very competitive NFC North with three teams if the Lions decide to show up. 
it would be all right. But I think that the Packers are still going to run with it. They've got Aaron Rodgers. They've they've got themselves set. It's going to be duking it out between the Vikings and the Bears. But I still think that the Vikings could do all right this year. They've proven themselves sometimes in the past to battle adversity, and I think they'll do so. Now, we'll move into the Bronco talk because Nick Hendricks is a Bronco fan, and we kind of like a little bit of bias on this show, but got to talk about them because they've got one of the biggest trades or they picked up one of the biggest contracts coming into the season, and that was good old Russell Wilson. They've got the Chargers to open up the beginning of the season, which is going to be tough because, I mean, it's it's the Chargers. They've been playing tough all – they played tough all of last year, and they are – they're one of those teams where you really kind of have to watch yourself. They played the Chiefs tough last year. They played the entire AFC tough last year. And so it's also just going to be a factor of how that Chargers offense is really going to do. They've got Justin Herbert back again. He is now going into, I believe, this is his fourth year. He's had three years of experience. This is his fourth year. He's from Oregon. He's 6'6". Man, just drops dimes. That might actually be a really good game to watch with Russell Wilson. But it's a matter of does the Broncos' defense show up and can that line protect Russell Wilson to make sure that he stays as healthy as possible to give Denver the best chance they have of succeeding this year and also – Getting to the playoffs. I think that's the biggest thing that Bronco fans want is just getting to the That's the biggest thing anybody wants. But it's getting Denver to the playoffs. But nonetheless, the Bills have now a weapon. As if they didn't, ha- they, they didn't have it before. The Buffalo Bills. And I, I talked about him in a couple of draft talks that I did with a couple of friends. If you're in a fantasy league that has punters, oh my lord. You need to take the man. The He is a myth. And he will go down as a legend in the NFL. He punts 64. His first punt was 62 or 64 yards netted in the air. It was an 85-yard punt touchback. And that is good old former San Diego State Aztec, Matt freaking Ariza. And oh my gosh, if you have not seen this, if you just have not seen his punts from back when he was at San Diego State, you are missing out, everybody. This man kicks a football, and it sounds like a gun is going off. I mean, holy crap. He is insane. He literally has a leg that can flip the entire end of the field. Does anybody else have a punter that can do that in the NFL? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Because no, you do not. You do not have a guy that can punt a ball 60 yards. His average punts, I believe, back in college were over 50. On average. If he punted it short at 40, it's because the man has leg control. Punt, good, good punters and good kickers can pin a team deep. But here's the thing. This man can flip you the field. Matt Ariza can literally punt a ball from his own end zone and put you at your own end zone. Tell me what other punter in the NFL, tell me what other punter in NFL history, because I don't know. I'm not the biggest NFL history buff, but I mean, I don't think there's any other punter that can actually kick a ball 60 yards in the air off your foot from a punt and then pin you another 20 yards deep and get you a touchback. That was the biggest thing that San Diego State has had last year. Is they they were like, all right, if we get sacked in the backfield, well, here you go, Matt, go have fun. And Matt would just Matt Ariza would just punt it. And granted, you never want to punt in the NFL, but now Buffalo Bills and I sent out their woo voice. Wow. All right, what? Who's who's the other person in my my office that decided to voice crack? Okay. Anyways, Matt Ariza can flip the field, and that's insane. And I've I've I'm beating a dead horse here. I'm probably I'm beating a dead pigskin because that that pigskin is falling off as soon as he kicks it. But holy cow! I mean, you just it, it's insane. And I I made a comment on that post. I said and I think I I don't know if I made a tweet about it, but I I made a comment on this TikTok that I saw when he did it. And my dad even goes, "Dude, did you see this guy punt?" And I was like, "Yeah." I, I knew of him at San Diego State. I watched college game day. I watched the draft, and I was like, whoever picks him up is going to be insane because you now have an offensive threat basically playing defense. And what was really funny was I said, as if Bills Mafia cannot remain any more undefeated. I guarantee you 
Matt Ariza will probably have a jersey, and they will be laughing about it because a punter is going to be a fan favorite because all you have to do is just go out there and kick a ball. And, I mean, don't don't hate me on that because everybody's going to say, oh, well, what, what's, I'd like to see you try. I was like, dude, I would like to see you try. No, I would like to see anybody try to go punt a ball 60 yards because it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. I, I played goalie as a kid and I could I got the ball to midfield, but that was about it. Like I had a good leg, a decent leg at least. Not trying to toot my own horn, but I had a decent leg that would at least kind of move somebody down the field so I could at least get some space. But at the same time, this dude gets plenty of space. Matt Ariza just says, All right, guys, I I, I would love to place a sports bet. I would love to see if Vegas finds a way to say, okay, and I know you could probably do this on um, all the, whatever the heck, all these new sports gambling sites are that just allow you to, I think it's like DraftKings or whatever or something like that, that allows you to actually do that. I would love to see if those like mid-game bets are saying, anytime Adoriza comes on the field, how long is his punt? Down probably not to the exact yardage, but I would love to see if Sportsbooks decides to just say, all right, we're going to actually place a bet on a punter here. Let's see how many people pick up on it. I would bet it, and I probably wouldn't be right all the time, but I I damn well sure I'd be close because I would literally put probably one of the highest numbers. If not, I would put 50 yards, and that would probably be his lowest. And if he ever punts a ball at 40 yards, it's a fluke. It is horribly a fluke. And I I probably now just accidentally cursed him, so we're going to – Knock on wood, if you guys heard that, we're going to just do it again here. Knock on wood, it's my sadly fake wood desk. But, no, I just had enough beating a dead horse about that because now the Bills are just, they're sitting there. Josh Allen's just licking his chops. He goes, all right, now we have an offense on two different sides of the field, and they're, the Buffalo Bills defense is really, really, really good. And they got um, a good cornerback last year, Kareem Elm, out of, or, uh, Kari, or Kari Elm, sorry. Uh, out of Florida, he's a good cornerback. They got James Cook out of Georgia, a big running back there. So they've got new weapons. They're they're starting to kind of move through, and they're becoming the powerhouse that the Bills have always wanted after the four falls, after Joe Kelly decided to not be able to, and didn't decide. Joe Kelly and the Buffalo Bills back in the 90s, that is just one of the toughest things that you can ever see. And if you haven't seen the 30 for 30 on um, the four falls of Buffalo, you definitely should, because that's one of my favorites, and I just, it's, the story is just so sad. Like, you're sitting there and you're just wondering, well, man, how how in the world can a team lose four straight Super Bowls, come up so close, make the playoffs, Bill's Mafia is so happy, and then just decide to, not decide, I say that again, but just they can't pull it out. Somebody, somebody help Buffalo out here. Josh Allen, if you're sitting out there, the Bill's, the Bills Mafia needs a little bit of a win. I'm a Ma- I'm a Mafia fan. I like the Bills Mafia. I like watching Josh Allen play. I said it back in college. I said Josh Allen will be the guy that you put on a team. He's gonna lead it. He he's the dark horse of the draft. He he has all the stats on him, but nobody I think is gonna give him the the biggest time of day. Buffalo decides to take him, and look what he does. Gets him to a playoff, and now he's looking to just make a name for himself. They went 11 and six last year. Fell just shy of getting to the Super Bowl, which is huge. So, anyways, the NFL is coming. But another thing that is coming is college football. And you know when that starts, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know? Well, in case you don't, which I I don't know if anybody does. Well, everybody probably does. But it starts literally in two weeks. There is ten days until college football Saturday comes to town. And it's it's very early, but there's a lot of teams playing. Not a lot of big names. There's a few. You got Josh Allen's former team, Wyoming. They got Illinois. That's in Champaign. That's going to be on BTN on Saturday, August 27th. Florida State, they got the Quincy. That's at four. That's on ACC Network. Hawaii and Vanderbilt play. The Rainbow Warriors go out. That's on uh, CBS. They got the Commodores coming to town. And then you got Utah State, UConn. That's that's not going to be our eh, – Utah State's trying to look to bounce back. You got New Mexico State and Nevada. New Mexico State keeps trying to hop into the top 25 every once in a while. And we're going we're gonna to talk about it because JC's not here to give me shit. Nebraska goes to Ireland to face Northwestern. Now, 
my uncle said this the other night, and I'm sorry for bringing up a lot of family. I do that sometimes where I just talk about my family, but it's true. I'm I'm the only I'm one of the only Nebraska fans that I know in Iowa. So I, anytime that I got to go back and talk to Nebraska fans, I love it. So why is Nebraska getting an Ireland game? Northwestern, I slightly understand because they're always a scrappy team. They almost won the Big Ten about two years back. But you're going to Ireland. Granted, I don't like the SEC. I Saban has really pissed me off royally the last couple of weeks. But Alabama probably deserves to play in that game. Alabama does. Uh, maybe Oklahoma. Texas, you can make the argument. But, I mean, still, that they're a big name in college football, but they're not the biggest name coming out. Give a ranked matchup there. Give College Game Day their big, like, showdown. Ohio State, maybe. Uh, sorry, the Ohio State University. Go give them the damn game. Michigan, Texas A&M, give somebody who's in a top 25 team, just match it up and say, all right, you guys are going to Dublin, Ireland. you got to move the schedule around. And that's the one thing, too, is that scheduling in college football. We've talked about it. We beat the dead horse about it. But scheduling in college football needs to be looked at. As, as the committee, you guys got to say, all right, here, here's the deal. You guys got to play tougher if you're a top 25 team. And granted, sometimes these schedules come out way before. But still, you know you're a top 25 team. You know you're a, a Power 5 conference team. Michigan opens up against Colorado State. <sighs> okay. I did, okay. NC State opens up against East Carolina. And East Carolina last year, I'm going to take a look at them here. But if it gives me their record of last year, I got to go all the way back to the 21 schedule. So here, give me two seconds, ladies and gentlemen, so I don't get my facts wrong. Apparently, I do that on the other on one of the other shows that I have. But... So they only had one, two, three, four, because apparently it doesn't. Oh, there we go. Seven and five. They were seven and five last year. They were three and five in the conference. They ended up losing to Cincinnati, which who won the conference last year, and then or won their conference last year, and then went to the college football playoffs. So that's a huge loss. That like I mean that's that's saying something because they were thirty five and thirteen was the final Cincinnati won, and then their bowl game against Boston College got canceled due to COVID complications. So they ended up missing a lot of, or they ended up missing their la, or their game last year. They open up against NC State. And they have Old or Old Dominion, Campbell, and then they start their conference schedule. There are three toughest games on that schedule besides NC State. Come in the form of number twenty-five BYU, who's going to the Big Twelve, Cincinnati, who is now twenty-three because they lost a massive amount of offense, and then Houston, who is twenty-four. All three of those schools are very – they've been coming into the top 25. They're big schools. They've had a lot of big offenses. Zach Wilson graduated last year, um, who was a, a BYU's quarterback, who is now out for the season. So the Jets are – they're sad. The Jets are sad. The – oh, boy. The the breakup king, as people should call him, and the, the I really don't want to say the other title. The guy who likes to go for older women decides to – or decided he wanted to run, and he ends up getting hurt on a play. He's out with a knee injury. He undergoes surgery this week, or he ha- if he has, not already. He undergoes surgery this week. Um, But so East Carolina has a tough strength of schedule, and that's the thing as well. I want to kind of open that up because they just released the rankings a little bit ago, or um, at the beginning here. So preseason top 25. I don't even know if I have to name number one. I'm a little sad about this because he's been so whiny, and he's just, he probably did something. Alabama, who's still returning probably one of their best teams, or could be one of their best teams, is at number one. The Buckeyes are number two, but they're without their star running back. He just had a knee injury as well. He went down. George is number three, and this is where I don't get it. Ohio State missed the college football playoff last year. And granted, Georgia lost a few a few guys, but Georgia, who won last year, who beat Alabama last year, who almost lost to Cincinnati, and everybody's saying, Nick, it's last year. Besides that shitty of a point, and it's not even that shitty, I think Georgia, until they prove something, granted, recruiting class, but Georgia deserves to be at that number one spot. They won the national title. I bet Kirby Smart's just either one kick in the bucket right now because he is just absolutely up a tree mad, or he's saying, all right, come get us. We'll, we'll, we'll be dogs, no pun intended. We'll be dogs. We'll battle it out. Clemson is four. Clemson last year was not even in the top 25. Dabble Sweeney found his way to make it back. Notre Dame, 
is at, and making sure that this is right on the season rankings, because this is just making me mad looking at it, because this is the first time I've seen it. Notre Dame is five. Texas A&M preseason is six. Utah is seven. Michigan, eight. Oklahoma, nine. And they might have a little bit of a stint with Lincoln Riley, or after Lincoln Riley left, because he's now at USC, former head coach. Baylor is number 10. I like that pick, because Baylor last year was a good team. Um, they return a few guys. Oregon is 11, Oklahoma State is 12, NC State 13, USC with Lincoln Riley is now at 14. Eh, They were even, they were, USC last year was not the greatest team. And the schedule is going to prove me wrong here as soon as I say that. They're projected to be, or they're so far first in the Pac-12. But after last year's schedule, they had a rough year. And they are sitting at the top. They're sitting in the top 25. You go 4-8 and eight last year, and you're in the top 25. Hello, does this sound familiar? And I'm going to say it because I'm going to roast myself. Is Nebraska knocking at the door? Like, is the college football committee just out of, out of sorts right now? Michigan State 15, Miami 16, Pitt 17. They lost Kenny Pickett, so their offense is going to be a little, little sus. Wisconsin at 18, Arkansas the Razorbacks are at 19. Kentucky is 20 and rounding out the top 25 in order. From 21 to 25, Ole Miss, they lost Matt Corral, so that might be tough for them. Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Houston, BYU. Cincinnati, I understand. You lost Desmond Ritter. You lost a lot of your offense, so you really have to struggle your way back into this season. So, but that's the one thing that I do not get, is Alabama's going to get their way once again. They're going to be at the top of the polls. Notre Dame last year, they got into the college football playoff, or they – Missed the college football playoff because of Cincinnati, thank God. Because they're still going to make the argument. But anytime Notre Dame gets in the college football playoff, they can't win. They are strugglers in the college football playoff. And everybody's like, well, why is that? Granted, they still stack their teams with ACC scheduling, but they do not have... They, they don't want to take bigger challenges. They don't want to go play in Alabama at the beginning of the season. They try to play Michigan, but they don't want to play like Ohio State. They don't want to go to the SEC. They played Clemson a couple years ago, and Clemson beat them at home. Granted, it was Death Valley, and it was raining, but still, Clemson beat them at home, and it, that also proves it. Clemson went on to win the national title that year. So now, looking at it, what does that say? Notre Dame is not a team that can perform in the postseason, and if they prove me wrong this year, then by God, go for it. But until that point, Notre Dame does not, they don't really have a, uh, an argument. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies, they've still got a good team this year. They should be doing just fine in the SEC. But still, I just, I don't like that top 25 scheduling. But at the same time, we'll go back to the schedule here. So like I said, that first Saturday, August 27th, open up, or opens up college football. There's a couple of midweek games on Thursday of September 1st. Uh, Pitt plays West Virginia. That'll be a good rivalry game. Oklahoma State's got Central Michigan, who... (laughs) Central Michigan, if you don't remember a few years ago, scored on a last-second play that probably shouldn't have happened, but ended up beating Oklahoma State just before overtime at the end of regulation. Um, Another ranked team that plays that weekend on Saturday, September 1st, is Wake Forest. They've got uh, VMI. I don't know who that is. But now you throw it into the Friday of September 2nd. Uh, Michigan State. They've got Western Michigan. That's one of the biggest games there. Illinois plays Indiana for a Big Ten conference. Colorado plays TCU. And then throwing it to Saturday, September 3rd, the big day for college football. Michigan's got Colorado State. East Carolina's got um, North or North Carolina State. Sorry for the slip up there. Uh, other big games, Iowa State for all you Iowa fans out or State of Iowa fans out there. You've got Southern, uh, Southern Missouri State. So... It should be a win, but we all know how your beginning of the season goes. Sorry. Biggest game so far on this schedule is Georgia versus Oregon, 3 versus 11. That's at ABC. That's at 230. So I believe that might be where college game day goes. Well, yeah, for that second week. Um, Cincinnati has Arkansas, so there's a big, big boost on the schedule for Cincinnati. They've got number 13. They've got an SEC opponent, so good for them. Um, Ole Miss has Troy. BYU has South Florida. Nebraska comes back for their second week. They got North Dakota. If we don't go 3-0 and at the beginning of the year, oh, my Lord, I'm going to be so sad. Uh, Utah has Florida, so a Pac-12, AC, or a Pac-12 SEC. Uh, Wisconsin has Illinois State. Kentucky, they've got Miami of Ohio. I'm just trying to round out top 25 teams. Ohio State, and here we go. Notre Dame decided to schedule Ohio State this year, just as I said it. Yes, they did, because I was leading to that point. 
schedule Ohio State, schedule a Big Ten team, actually play, see how it goes. So number two, Ohio State has number five, Notre Dame. That's at 630, so that's a nightcap. Alabama's got Utah State, like I said. Texas has University of Louisiana Monroe. Texas should start the year 1-0, but nevertheless, Texas is back. Well, they need to prove it. Um, Monday game on September 5th, Clemson-Georgia Tech. That's a big rivalry game. And then to round out that first major week of college football um, on September 4th, LSU has Florida State. So looking at it this year, teams are going to be a little bit more stretched for talent. The draft really took some good core defensive guys especially. That was the biggest thing about this draft this year is defense was key. So now I really don't – sometimes without J.C. here – and I know he feels the same way about this. We're an hour into the show, or we're 55 minutes into the show. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys have stayed tuned. If you missed it, we talked about movies at the beginning. Hopefully you've watched it all the way through. But if you decided to jump a little bit, understandable. So we just finished up with college football. But now Nick's going to fire up the good old camera here because we're going to get to the point that everybody loves. And that is the ever, 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 ever so famous. And we're going to... Starter up here. That was a weird sound. Sorry for that. We got the Pokemon card opening. We're sticking with the Astral Radiant spec that we get from the Winterset Hy-Vee. Um, odd shout out. Odd flex. But, ugh. No. Dang it. We got to get the knife out. I always struggle with these cards. Because I can't find a way to get my hands get, just oddly enough, my hands get really sweaty in my apartment. Sorry about that. But they do. It's hot in here. My AC's running. My door is shut. And so here we go. We're not looking at it. We're not looking at it. We're not looking at it. Oh, boy. So here is the code. I'll throw that up there. Make sure it's in focus because I know where it's at. We've got the code there for you. You can find that. Also, we'll post this on the Instagram story. We're doing a lot with the Instagram. So shout out to everybody that's going on the good old gram, giving us some love. JC, like I said, is out. So that's why you're listening to good old me at the beginning of the show or throughout the entire show. We got a Uxie. Start off. We've had multiple of those this this year on the show we got a Voltorb so we got a grass type there we got a Voltorb card a little bit of a kind of older or just a little bit of a I don't even know what you would call that good design on that switch cart we got an item not two or a trainer item there uh we got Azelf so we've got three of the I don't think even those are I think they were just like normal Pokemon but they almost were kind of the same as the legendaries because they had twins uh, we got a best skillin', so there's that one. I think JC's going to go, hopefully not, we'll pull one out at the end of this. We got another Scyther, but I think JC's going to end up going on another win for the week here. We got a Mantee. There's another one. We're looking very slim here. We got a Steel Energy there for us. This thing's not looking good. We got three cards here, so everybody, I'm not going to look at them, but bless these cards here. We're going to do some shuffling. We got a Teddy Ursa. We've had a few of those pulled. We got a Leafeon. We've pulled one of those before in the pack, so we got one of those. EV Evolution. And we got another Hippowdon, a little bit of a shiny, uh, that fight type that I've pulled multiple times now. So we got another one of those. Not very eventful, to say the least, ladies and gentlemen. We are, it's, it's not good. Nick is, Nick is struggling in the Pokemon card game. And I think this is really funny because we always talk about it on this show. As I turn my camera off here, we always talk about on the show how we just like to do a lot of random stuff. We like to always just be kind of random. We like to take it into effect of we love our sports, but it's like what's going to keep you guys interested? So if you guys make it through now to our, or the minute fifty set or minute fifty eight, let us know. We're gonna post. I want to post something on the Instagram that says, "Hey, let us know what you guys talk about. Let us know what you guys find interesting." Because I mean, it, it's it's always fun to interact with your audience, and I I say this because of the amount of shows that I'm on and just the the industry that both me and JC are in. We're in the media industry. We like to talk on the radio. We like to talk on TV. But interact with us. We love to hear what you guys have to say. We love always bringing up some funny stuff. And if you want to try to find a funny news story, we can do that real quick because I want to keep this thing going because I'm having fun. But, um, no, we just love... If I can type, oh my lord, you guys can't see it, but apparently I can't even type funny. I keep trying to type in news. Oh, da 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 da. Let's see. We're gonna go. We're gonna go on the Huff Post. We're gonna go on HuffPost.com. Let's see. 
Papa John lost a wire. No. 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 Boy, none of these stories are funny. Oh, my Lord. We are just, we're trying to run through it here. Oh, my goodness. A giant shark once roamed the seas feasting on huge meals. What in the world? Oh, they're talking about the megalodon there. Oh, my gosh. Boy, if you want to talk about prehistoric stuff, don't get me going because I'll talk your ear off on that all day. But we don't really got anything funny. According to this, on, on AP News, Boston police came out in a boat to rescue a stranded groom. Officers of the Boston Police Department, a uh, harbor patrol unit used to helping out uh, boaters in distress, came out last weekend during a groom in danger of missing his own wedding. How do you miss? Well, okay, never, never mind that because there's a lot of guys that will probably try to quote-unquote miss their own wedding. But I bet he was genuinely concerned. Let's see if I can actually click on this here. Oh, I can. Let's see if we can get some more details here. So this guy was scheduled to get married on Thompson Island in the middle of Boston. It gets worse. The groomsman photographer and florist were also struck or were stuck on the Midland. Oh, no. His boat broke off. They were trying to take a picture on a boat, and his boat broke off, so he was stuck at sea. Oh, that's funny. Oh, boy. Okay, so he was scheduled, this guy was scheduled to get married on the harbor, but the boat that was supposed to fare... Oh, no. The boat that was supposed to ferry him over to the island that he was getting married on, it never showed up. It broke down. So he couldn't even get to his own wedding, so Boston police had to ru- or the Boston Harbor Patrol had to rush him to his wedding. Oh, boy. That's a story of a lifetime there. Bride panicking, he's probably on the phone with her. But your wife, your future wife is panicking. You're like, you're going to miss the wedding. Like, what do we do? It's not going to be a new girl moment where Schmidt is standing on a plane and they get married there. Oh, that's a weird flex that I know that. I don't even know if I want to call that a flex. I mean, it's a funny show, but oh, good Lord. We're breaking that out. But nonetheless, as a groom, what do you do in that situation? I mean, come on. You got to think, well, like, hey, why don't we just talk? Why don't we figure this out? Like, can I call somebody else? Like, can somebody come pick me up? Well, apparently, Boston Police Harbor Patrol decided to do that. So, oh, with that, I really don't know what else we got to talk about. We covered sports. We covered some TV stuff. I didn't have a lot of music news. I have gotten into this new artist. His name is um, Ian Munsick. He's a country artist. He's one of a new country artist kind of on the come up. If you haven't listened to his music, he's kind of good. He was at the Iowa State Fair, opened up last Thursday. But I really like him. He's got a song called Mountain Time. That's probably one of his catchiest. He's got um, a lot of good stuff. Labyrinth, the artist, the main artist from Euphoria, he released a new song uh, a couple of weeks ago in 2022. Or, I should, good Lord, can I actually talk sometimes? He released a new song. It was called Lift Off. I actually really liked it. It's just a very nice vibe. It kind of gets you amped up a little bit. So he released that. That came out. Um, he's got two versions of it. One is about a minute and a half, minute 50. The other one's three minutes long. It's really good. It's just kind of a nice vibe. Um, Ian Munsick, he's kind of more of a folk contemporary country singer. He's got just some good stuff. He's got a lot of fiddle or a lot of fiddle and banjo in there, which is awesome. It's always good to see those guys kind of going back because country's kind of lost a little bit of its vibe. I mean, Luke Combs has tried to bring it back, but Luke Combs, let's face it, not the biggest country artist. I love his music, or I like his music. Uh, Cody Johnson, with all the performing that he does, he tries to bring a lot of his stuff back. Um, or he tries to bring a lot of us to that. He's a very big American Pride guy. Uh, Ian Munsick is definitely one of those guys that's coming up that's trying to more go folk as well. Zach Bryan is also another one of those guys. The guys that I work with like to do a lot of that kind of new country that's showing up on that side of things. So you never know. Find something you like. Find some new stuff. I mean, I, I always sit here when I'm sitting in my apartment and I'm gaming or I'm like watching, um, or I'm cooking dinner. I always like to find like new gaming playlists or new something like that. Always just branch out, man. There, there's nothing wrong with trying to branch out, doing your own music and getting kind of your ideas, ideas flowing. Cause you can come up with a new invention. You can come up with a new idea for your job. I'm on TikTok a lot. I always like to try to create stuff to sounds. Um, Yeah. Just keep those ideas flowing. And I think probably at the end of this episode, I know I probably shouldn't because it'll be 2 o'clock by the time that I go to bed. 
but I'm going to probably end up watching Uncharted on Netflix because I've been waiting to do that. It's a new Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg movie, and uh, it's based on the video game Uncharted, but from what I've seen so far, it's actually not bad. So we're going to have to maybe see if we want to hop on that. If not, I'm going to probably just chill for the rest of the night, but hopefully that you guys have stuck around this long. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed the episode of me just rambling on about random stuff. We talked about sports. We talked about football. We talked about baseball. We broke it down into some movies. We got a little bit of music talk there at the end. We got the card opening. Nick is still oh, still behind. It's tough. We can't get those card pulls. I mean, we, we just can't. So if somebody wants to bless me with some good Pokemon cards in this next pack that I open against JC, please feel free to do so. Uh, I'll give you a thumbs up on the good old gram. But with that being said, you can catch uh, RC's page, Heavy Metal Forever, on Facebook. Make sure you go check him out. He is absolutely crushing it on the Facebook game. Um, on the Instagram feed, you can find us at The Covert Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, you can also find us there on TikTok. If you have any questions or you want to interview or you want to get interviewed and just be on the show, then let us know at thecovertshow at gmail.com. I mean, we've got plenty of places for you guys to reach us. We're posting on Twitter a lot. We're posting on Instagram and Facebook a lot. We're trying to get that bumped up, get some interaction. TikTok is kind of getting there. And you know what? We just love having the interaction. So make sure you guys come check us out. And also, just check out whoever. I have been, or I still am. I, You know, that's weird. As, as you do sign off, you say, I've been. But at the same time, you still are. So how does that even make sense? As I keep rambling, I this was a question I got in high school because one of my buddies, he was like, we can't say have been anymore when I did like a little bit of a show there um, for our little television company if you or television station for like the high school, if you will. But it's always, it's it's never have been. You still are. And even if you say like have been on the news, it's like you were still that on the news. You're still that the next day on the news. I don't know. I'm rambling off. <laughs> so I get into those situations where I just talk about random stuff. But... Like I said, you can find us at The Covert Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you have any questions or you want to get in touch with us as well, just to be on the show when we talk about sports, fantasy, and all that, fantasy football, and all that stuff, um, coming up this season, you can do The Covert Show at gmail.com. RC has heavy metal forever. I am Nick Kenricks, and hopefully, you guys enjoyed this episode. Hopefully, you guys are always enjoying wanting to crack a cold one with the boys. And as always, just have a good night. And this has been episode 34.